So we can have some uh, question answers if you like. If nobody has a question, then I'll ask a question. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> But if you ask, you could know who am I, I think uh, my mind uh, can search who am I, but how uh, one's mind can know its own mind? So it's the same thing. So, a very good uh, question. How can the mind, yeah. asking the question, who am I, know its own mind? Absolutely. So, that is why in all... Um, in all spiritual traditions, regardless of uh, anything, one of the fundamental premises, I am using the word premises, but it's a premise based on a certain kind of experience. That mind is not all, there is a deeper consciousness and a greater consciousness than the mind. Now, naturally, um, there is something which is like a gap or which is like a disconnect between here where I live within the mind and that consciousness. But there has to be also a common thread which is like a stream and connecting the two. This common thread is consciousness. So when consciousness is involved in the body, the I, the sense of I is in the body. And we can take an example from morning till night. So when we wake up in the morning, I mean many of us and you know, if supposing it was a very tiring sleep, and you wake up somebody and says, Acha, chalo, satsang karenge. You know, unless I'm not talking of those who are experts and practitioners. But the child's first response is that, No, don't wake me up. I, you know, because the whole consciousness is uh, identified with the body. And so, therefore, we live as if I am in the sense of the body. Then there is another level where consciousness is identified with the vital, with the desires, with emotions. And it thinks I am these emotions, I am these desires. So as long as I am identified or the consciousness is identified and the stress of the I is on that. See, I is a very strange uh, creature. It is uh, now identified here and now identified there and changes. It's like, you know, we have experienced that morning we are somebody very different. And in the evening, we are somebody very different. With one person, I am someone else. And with another person, I am someone else. So who is this I? This is a question, valid question. So probably, it is the consciousness stressing itself and identifying. And it thinks, this is me. And so on with thought structures. I identified with a certain philosophy, with a certain religion, belief system, or sense of identity, whatever it be. And therefore, I think this is me. But equally, this consciousness has another capacity which man experiences from time to time the ability to separate and look at itself. It's very strange. As you said, the question contains the answer. Who is the one who is raising the question, who am I? Yeah. I can put the question a little more cryptically but more practically in the sense that who is the one who dreams the dream? You know, in dream we watch ourselves, no? So who is the dreamer? <laughs> the question I used to ask as a child. Who has seen the dream? Now it's uh, something is recorded. Something was watching. That's why when I come back I can recall. So the first thing we have to do is to disengage this consciousness from all the false or temporary. False may not be the right word but temporary identifications with which I have associated myself. So I am this body. Well the body is there. 
but I am not the body. Well, I am this desire. No, the desires are there, but I am not these desires. Emotions are there, but I am not these emotions. I am talking of the way of the Jnana Yoga. There are other ways, but let's start with this because that's how we have started with question. So when it comes to who am I? If I am not this mind, life, body, then who am I? Now, when we raise this question with a deeper inquiry and more than inquiry, start disengaging. That's why one of the elementary practices of uh, yoga is detachment. Now, detachment has nothing to do with asceticism. They are two very different things. Asceticism is something forced upon us, but detachment is that all the banks in which we have wrongly invested our energies, <laughs> we put it back because without detachment, we cannot even practice interiorization. There is no energy left. You know, often people say, oh, whole day I am busy. How can I have energy to meditate? If whole day one has been engaging with 101 things, it's for certain that when one sits to meditate, 99% will sleep and think it is meditation because, you know, there is no energy left. We need to recoup energy rather than anything else. Whereas detachment is a way of life. It's a very interesting word. In The Gita speaks about it, Tyaga and Sanyasa. In detachment, we detach from the ego identification and we are going through life just as the river goes through various events and circumstances, not clinging to this, not clinging to that, but something deep within which is absorbing the essence of all this, something which is still connected with the fundamental truth of things. But even before that, just to practice this inner detachment and disengagement with the surface phenomena. Now with this comes the will. Will is something which strangely throughout our schooling we are not taught. You know, I have often uh, wondered, you know, all this faculty development, you know, in education I'm sure, you know, we talk about faculty development. And, uh, you know, we talk about judgment, memory and everything else. The most powerful thing, the most central thing in human nature, which is like a sword which can cut through the whole maze of nature is will. There is no training for the will. Now we talk about emotional education and EQ and you know emotional quotient and all that, which is a very indirect way of approaching this will. So what is that power given within me? The will. This will can turn in this way to it can fragment its energy and turn towards hundred desires, or it can unite and turn towards the one thing which it can regard as the sole desirable things about which it is said in the Gita, Param Drashtva, seeing which all other desires vanish away. So it goes to the source and, and it's very logical. Through desires, what are we really trying to achieve? Happiness. Doles of happiness. Maybe if I have this, I will get a little happiness. And yes, well, pleasure and whatever. But with every happiness that we get in the world, it is a um, very old um, sale trick of nature which we find in all the shops, I don't know here it happens or not, but in India we find buy one shirt and get two free. <laughs> Every happiness you purchase by the energy of desire is like buy one happiness, get two, sorrow free. It's, it's there in small little letters. We don't read it. Our happiness is coming. Happiness in big capital. <laughs> Oh, good joy is coming. And along with it, you get two of these free. Sometimes it's ten. We don't know. <laughs> if you are very lucky, at least one. <laughs> so, after that, we get caught in this play. But if we take back all these energies, which are everywhere, and once again put them back on the original will, 
very beautifully in the Isha Upanishad, it puts in a very powerful way. Vayur anil amritam machedam bhasmantam shariram om kritosmar kritamsmar om kritosmar kritamsmar. It's very powerful, you know. Vayur anil amritam machedam bhasmantam shariram of this body ashes are the end fire and vayu of which all this is constituted its ashes are the end o will om kratosmar that which was done remember that which was done remember so one of the exercises is a constant remembrance of the eternal now this will has to focus on something which represents to itself the eternal, that which is beyond. Now, obviously, one has to start with a faith that there is something. A faith which is consistent with logic. That's what, you know, in the morning we were speaking about that. Uh, there cannot be multiple origins of uh, multiple things. Ultimately, there will be one source. And obviously, if this source is just matter, then uh, life and mind and seeking coming out of it is an absurdity. So, I have bypassed all that philosophical reasoning. But one can philosophically arrive at that. That at the origin is the one consciousness from which, you know, we call it Brahman or whatever. So the way was that this will disengages from everything and concentrates on that. Now that can be given a name, a mantra, it can be a representative image of the guru, of the deity or uh, no image, uh, whatever way, it, it doesn't matter. But the aspiration is important. Now, in this process of aspiration, there was some very interesting discoveries made which we all can make. And everyday life, see, when we introduce ourselves, you know, I am so and so, where do I instinctively take my hand? We don't say, I am so and so. Even if you have a big belly, we don't say that. I don't say, I am so and so. I am so and so. It's like the core. I is here, the true I, the deep. So this is one center where we can deep inside enter into the eternal. There is another center right here. That brain is the seat of consciousness. And that is where we can accumulate all the energy and through this center pass on to the beyond. And to start with, we take the help of images or sounds or method or technique. That's all right. And there are plenty of them. Or we can even concentrate beyond the mind, beyond the brain box and pull the consciousness up. Now there has to be a magnet towards which we are drawn. So this is the way of the jnana. By the power of thought, by the energy of thought, we go beyond thought. It's like a diamond cutting the diamond. So we make it, energize it. How this thought can become uh, so strong and powerful? By the power of meditating on one. A lonely thought becomes omnipotent. Now it is concentrated on now here, now there, the monkey mind. Just to train this restless mind is a whole practice in itself. But there are other ways. The other ways is another way is, say, take for example the way of bhakti. Now what does bhakti do? Bhakti takes in a different way. All the energies of emotions, everything uh, which are directed here and there into hundred people invested in this and that uh, person. Now all these energies are drawn back, similar process. We detach, disengage and focus this entire emotional energy which has become now one mass and we turn it toward the one soul beloved. Now implicit here is just like in Jnana Yoga the faith is that there is an eternal or infinite, call it whatever. 
here implicit is that it is not just an impersonality but a being which is again logical because there, if there is a supreme consciousness aware of itself by its nature it's a being you know <laughs> being is not a form with a bearded you know person that's not being that's our uh, foolish understanding of a being how do we call ourselves you know human being we are conscious of ourselves in a certain way so the supreme being is conscious of itself in a certain way it's supremely conscious therefore it's a being so all the emotions start turning towards that and by that power this energy creates a whole within the magic circle of nature in which we are trapped and reaches out to that so again we see that by the power of emotions which is part of our nature we go beyond emotions into the delight the soul beloved we are after all seeking joy in this person that person and hundred person and as i said with every joy that one human being gives us we get two sorrows free of cost sometimes more than that but there when we turn it toward the soul beloved now it doesn't mean we stop loving people in fact we love them much better this is one of the uh, you know paradoxes why because we are not expecting now anything from anyone we are getting more than our requirement from that so now we are overfull and it is flowing so often people have this issue oh if i love god i can't love people we can love better and nowadays there is a new catchword that it's correct but it's half half a truth that you know don't expect i am glad it has come somewhere you know now people talk about don't expect the problem is that how can you say don't expect so now people talk about you know be reasonable in expectations it doesn't help <coughs> because reasonable is something each one defines in his own way you know a wife will define reasonableness in her own way and a husband will define reasonableness in her own way and the two will clash because they they are not agreeing even on the definition of reasonableness but if we take it this way we we won't expect only when the joy we are seeking in a relationship the love which we are seeking the delight that we are wanting the sweetness that we are looking for we can find and that is at its source so we find it at its source so we don't need it so therefore all relationships become very beautiful whether it be husband wife or child or anybody that is the secret because when you love the divine and not only you love the divine in somewhere deep inside you also love in everyone so when you love a wife it's not just the wife but the divine presence within and that's why uh, you know people do what they do because deep inside there is a recognition of that though it's not uh, you know outwardly evident people make great sacrifices so this is the way of the heart then there is another kind of energy the energy of work now work is a very wide road but what happens with work that we how do we just like you know desire and emotions works we get tied to the outer life and the outer world uh, and appearances by expectation for results now this is uh, where you know our energies go in wanting something and when we don't get that we are unhappy so that's how the duality when we get it we are happy and it's opposite wherever there is one binary the other one is waiting around the corner this is the law of life now what do we do all these energies of work we turn to the master of works implicit within it is that all this creation is the act original act of the divine he is the sole actor and therefore when i work it's not this or that human being this or that company that i am serving but i am serving the divine who is the master 
and what I will get or not get out of it is his business, not my business. And this is a great joy. I, I can tell you that I am sure many of us have tasted this because the beauty of the divine is he doesn't give us, uh, you know, false currency or paper currency. You know, the problem with paper currency, it has a certain value, but you got to give it and then get the object. You have to exchange it for something. It's like I promise to pay the bearer. <laughs> so, but the divine gives us what I am going to get through the object. Why do I want an object? Because it will give me joy. Again, you see. So he says, okay, I'll give you. <laughs> it's okay. I'll give you that. I'll provide for you. You know, there is a very beautiful um, sloka in the Gita, half a sloka. And it took me uh, quite some time to understand and experience in life what it means. It's called Yoga Shema Vahamiham. Heard about it now? LIC in India has taken this uh, slogan. Yoga Shema Vahamiham. You be engaged in yoga, I'll do what is necessary for you, for your living, for your necessities of life. And this on a very personal note, I can tell you, because, you know, when I left the Air Force, uh, all this confusion was there, and, you know, should I, should I not, and not within my heart. I was very clear that enough of it, long time I had been trying, it was very clear, it was the Air Force which was not leaving me. But when the time came that finally they said, okay, fine, you can go. They tried all kinds of things. We are giving you good ACR. I said, oh, it doesn't matter. Spoil my ACR. Everything. But when the time came and actually I got the release, lot of people naturally had their own practical considerations. Okay. Maybe you can identify. <laughs> so, what will happen? What will happen? I said, jiske naam se le raha You know, the person for whose service I am taking this release, at least it is his responsibility <laughs> to look after. And the way... I, because for me, it is a she, the Divine Mother, uh, the, the nourishing, the nurturer. She has looked after is just, you know, beyond my comprehension. I could have never imagined the way she, I would have, could have never humanly planned my life at every step. And it is not my story. Everybody who has taken a leap has the same story. That's the beauty I found with so many people. They have the same story, but it's again a leap of faith. That when you do it, there is the original power. There is only one power. There are not two powers. Not a bright power and a dark power. There is still a binary. He hides behind the mask even of death and destruction. When we have that faith and serve the one, then you see even a good human uh, CEO looks after us, you know, out of his own interest. <laughs> so can we imagine how much more the divine will look after? If he's really worth being what we call as the divine? Can he really allow us to be starved and suffer? Sometimes people have these uh, crazy thoughts, what will have human beings have. <laughs> so, um, in my psychiatric practice, a um, lot of anxiety, Dr. Saab, kya hoga? Ye chinta hai, wo chinta hai, my child, this, that. So, couple of times I remember I have taken them out. This is strange therapy, you know, psychiatrists don't treat like that. So, kya hua? I said, you just come out. And I want to show you something. Come out. So, I asked them that, you know, you see this tree and you see, uh, you, do you see the squirrel? Yes. You see many, uh, many, you know, creatures. How many creatures would be there in this mud? Oh, plenty of them. So, who is looking after them? Do you know how? <laughs> Each one of them is provided for. It's amazing. 
it's mind boggling how that power through countless instruments and one you know will become an instrument for the other to feed you know when a person dies if you leave in the open of course we give a burial and burn or whatever but you know you will see that how the step by step the body is eaten up every creature right down to the smallest maggots and the ants we uh, get repulsed by the side but if we keep away that reactions within us then we see the truth that for every creature there is a place there is something which has been provided for of course for our needs not for greeds that's understood <laughs> but he takes care of everything that is necessary for now this is how we and then we divert all this energy and through this energy which is engaged in work unfortunately through the agency of desire gets disengaged from desire and the fruit of the action and is turned into a powerful will which is there only to serve the divine so at all these three levels then there are many other such doorways which we find within the human system they have been created not in animals that's why there is something unique about human beings uh, human beings engage in self evolution you know one definition of yoga which uh, swami vivekananda gave is conscious evolution so people are though conscious evolution okay but where we see it happening we see it happening in every school every school is about conscious evolution the word is not used but we believe that we can better ourselves that's why you have education education is a indirect means of conscious evolution yoga is a means with full knowledge of a conscious evolution and education is a very limited way because we place the wrong goal goal is good job career nobody teaches us that goal of education is literally educare means to bring out the best and the highest and put it at the service of the noblest within us that's education so education is what it's a conscious evolution we are meant for that that's why human beings learn by experience animals don't i mean they can learn you can train them in zoo but it's very difficult they will normally an animal moves within the circle of his instinct a non vegetarian animal doesn't become vegetarian because you say cholesterol is bad for your health i am fine with whatever i am eating <laughs> equally a vegetarian elephant will not turn non vegetarian just because you know it may go on a rampage once in a while because human beings drive him crazy but he will not eat the creature but human beings can change from vegetarian to non vegetarian and vice versa so this possibility of shift and change of consciousness has naturally emerged in human beings also we can become self reflective and become aware of a subjective self within us which in all likelihood animals do not we should use the word all likelihood because we are if you use scientifically speaking but we are self aware of another existence within us other than what people know us that's why it is said that there are three masks you know three human beings at least every time one is what the world knows one is what you know and the third one is which neither the world nor you know but he knows <laughs> and he is pushing to express that so these are the three personas so the whole thing is that we must first gather this energy this consciousness disengage it through whatever means and turn it in that direction there are many techniques one of the simplest technique that i have found which i you know just love it is to keep remembering the divine whatever way this doesn't need any uh, any practice any teaching
by any name by any form that's how the gita puts it any name any form the narrowest wicket gate can become an opening any which way divine is my friend even you know people who have meditated on the divine or remember the divine as a shatru there is a whole term in uh, indian yoga called vair bhav by enmity with the divine you realize the divine the classic example was kansa so <laughs> there is a very nice chapter in the bhagavad that at the end of the whole um, story <clears throat> there is a question which is there in the mind of the gopis everything is fine we understand you know you are a very complex guy and you know your ways are beyond comprehension but one thing is completely beyond comprehension why you came and liberated kansa so that's how the bhagavad described kansa was liberated at the end he realized the lord and he is doing pranam you know if you see the typical pictures <laughs> when he is going to kill him he realizes the lord now he says this fellow all his life was an enemy to you how come he can be liberated he says you know what i don't care about enmity and friendship because as far as i am concerned i am suhrday a friend of all mankind so he says but what 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 was it he says all the time the fellow was thinking about me <laughs> krishna my arch enemy from the day i was born he had made it a mission to finish me now if you make a mission to finish the lord what will happen you will be finished your ego will perish so th- this was a, this is a yoga described if you actually see the scriptures uh, you see this is the path of the asuras you know which they they undertake ravana and shishupal and uh, kansa they took this path even such a strange path but this is not the recommended path because it's the path of denudation not the path of fulfillment so you have the three life and the seven lives path that's how the scriptures put it that you know originally they were Uh, jay vijay as guardians of the lord and they fell down so the lord gives them two choices you want to get back to me okay fine you can come in three lives or you can come in seven lives so three lives sounds very logical but why would the lord give you the seven life option that they should have thought so there is a three lives say okay done then be my enemy and you will come in three lives oh what was the seven life option love me because as an enemy or it's a path of denudation not just enemy of god in that way that is a, a bit of exaggerated story but when we go on a rampage on creation we discard creation we disregard whether it be my own nature the ascetics actually use this path and if you see all these asuras they were using very ascetic kind of tapasyas they would stand on one leg you see all of their hiranyakashu hiranyagi what tapasya they were doing standing on one leg and you know keeping awake whole night that is not what the that's the path of denudation your nature is withering away and at the end there is nothing of nature left so the soul is always one with the divine i mean in deep inside so <laughs> when all the casings are gone you realize oh i am that but that's not the path the path is of fulfillment of the divine will in creation that's a longer path whole nature must blossom that's what where the yoga of transformation comes from there so there are two lines of spiritual endeavor one is the path of nirvana or self extinction another is the path of self fulfillment not the self of the egoistic self but the divine self in man and to each one the free, there is a freedom of choice man can take either depending on the calling 
but there are some who take this shorter path and there are others who go through blossoming and efflorescence of nature because in every movement of nature implicit in this is that in every movement of nature there is a divine presence and so one of the simplest ways is just remember and to that we add offer and with this offering we have the aspiration to make this activity more beautiful you know i uh, like this uh, bonsai they have a very nice uh, way of doing it uh, not the actual way i mean there is no system of bonsai that way though there are books on it <laughs> but bonsai is a philosophy so you do uh, so even a very good uh, person has made a bonsai and then what he does is he leaves the scissor there so <clears throat> first time when i saw it i asked like what is the logic behind it says because somebody may make it better it's a striving towards perfection so one approach towards life is striving towards you know finishing it in whatever way it is of no consequence at most it gives me what is necessary is an experience for evolution into the beyond shubindra would use the word extraterrestrial realization god is out there out of this domain of nature and you find the energy and go out bear you know pierce the magic circle another is the path of divine self fulfillment or divine perfection this is a far more difficult path far more exacting path but some are called to that at least i took it because i had the calling i said no i uh, to me uh, mukti sounded selfish it exists I, i mean i had read a lot from every possible source swami vivekananda so powerful but i said ultimately at the end of the day, i am doing the same escape route i don't want it and if this is what divine is then i don't want to do anything with this divine then the path of self the divine self fulfillment and the path of self perfection where every activity is uplifted towards something more beautiful we can take an example human relationship what is the ideal of a human relationship and this aspiration is there in human nature what is the ideal of human relationship maybe you know someone let's not put into frame of husband wife brother sister any any which way what is the perfect ideal if which one would say yes that's it sometimes we use a word one word is unconditional love isn't it perfect understanding what else care all these things right we use these terms even people suffer because of this inbuilt aspiration we are programmed for perfection that's why we are not happy with little achievement when we don't get it sometimes we develop vairagya a disappointed vairagya has no energy for upliftment vairagya true vairagya is where we discover that this way of engaging with life is not the right way let me find out the right way figure out the right way but a disappointed vairagya no 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 life is unhappy and you know so that's that energy is not there but that's implicit within it is that there should be a more fulfilling relationship where there is unconditional love now where does one find unconditional love that's perfection unconditional love can only be found when one can love without the least sense of the ego that's very difficult <coughs> without the ego we think we are lost and very incidentally interestingly this loss of ego wrongly understood is i become a football <coughs> anybody kicks me i don't want to have an ego that's not what it means 
Mandodri, we have in Indian thought five great women whose names are regarded as Pratas Marniya. Every morning in ancient times, women were told these are the five ideal women. Do you remember the names? Anybody knows the names? Very interesting. Let's make a blind guess. Okay, Sita is one of them. Sita is very strong. There is there is a tie between drop the end. Kunti, there is a tie between the two. Other three are one of them is Mandodri. Another is Wali's wife. Vanar king's wife. It is strange that why these people are regarded as the acme of, you know, because they loved unconditionally, but never for a moment they deviated from the path of dharma. They always did what was the right thing to do. And yet they loved. You know, it requires tremendous capacity to love somebody who is obviously outwardly a ten-headed egoistic fellow. <laughs> Great challenge. Sita's love is different. She is um, unique. I mean, uh, she loves um, Rama through the whole. Ramayana is about a story of love. Never they have a quiet, happy moment together. <laughs> but never does Sita stop loving Rama. And I think that last chapter of Ramayana, which many people don't want to look at, if that was not written, there would have been a gross injustice to women. Otherwise, it would have been just Ramayana. Rama, Rama, Rama is Purushottama. Rama is the courageous. What about Sita? Sita's full personality comes then. She continues to love. Not a moment does she poison her children. You know what? Your dad, he did this to me. You see what I am going to do. She doesn't go to court. People say she is a weak woman. She is a strong woman. She is a tapaswini. Never for a moment she stops saying beautiful things about Rama. Who can do it? I mean, if I look at human nature as it is today and when I look at Sita, I really do pranam. You alone can set this high yardstick of standard. Why women? Perhaps only because women can love like this. That's my take on that. That's why Sati was only for women and not for men. One pointed, immaculate in her love. She didn't care and she brings up the children strong, capable. Not me to abla nariyum, what can I do? You know, father is abandoned, he's a king. What can I do about, you know, my husband is a bad guy. You guys, you know, you know he abandoned. Nothing. She makes them so strong and capable that tomorrow they can fight a whole army. And she tells them the story of Ramayana. It's amazing story. So like that, it's, you know, love, there are such beautiful examples of peak of love. Another love in human relationship, which we swear by, in all the temples. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, go back into the earth, then to come back, yes. So that last act is a wonderful act. Now, you see, then the whole story of Sita, there are two, three levels at which we can look at it. But first, the most practical aspect, because we are talking of it as practically Sita's personality. Imagine, what is Sita representing? The ultimate empowerment of women. What would be that empowerment that at the end of the day, when the husband says, okay, come back to me, I'm going to keep you very nicely. Okay, fine, I've got a palace. She doesn't want to do that. 
she sets a very high standard now obviously going back to earth has to be a symbolic the earth phat gayi and went back sita there we have the symbolic aspect of the story see but even before we touch that if sita went back to rama and they lived happily ever after actually it would be a bit of a strange story that you know he all that happened in her life she somewhere fell weak she couldn't really stand on her own sita stands on her own right up to the end even in ravana's empire she stands by herself she has all the lures of the demon king be my best queen i am trilokadipati she says no and that power is there now going back to the earth sita incidentally emerges from earth it's a strange story this is now here we see the symbolic aspect of the story obviously um, it doesn't happen even now science is not advanced to pick up soil and create a maybe some day but not as of now so the she is called bhumija while tilling the soil and if you go back into the story of sita um, we have to go into the full narrative because you know otherwise ramayana is half understood so the narrative goes that ravana was massacring all the you know good guys and tapasvis and all that and their blood like a trophy he was bringing to his house so his mother says look i am fine with whatever you are doing because she was very extremely ambitious ravana's birth itself was out of lot of ambition and pulastrishi's father is a you know sage and he said this birth is not a good conception out of lust and ambition it is born better not have the child but she has the child now anyways now he grows up into a ambitious fellow so she says but don't bring this blood here why this is a symbol of my victory he says it's a symbol of your downfall because all the you can slay a human being you cannot slay the emotions the vital energy that is thrown out so all the anguish of the tapasvis you have got with you wherever this kumbh is that kingdom is bound to be destroyed reason now what do i do if i throw this kumbh in my kingdom it will be destroyed so what do i do so he says go and bury it in your enemy's place wherever you feel you have been humiliated wherever this kumbh goes there will be destruction so as the story goes he was humiliated in the court of king janaka not during the marriage before that that's why he had come to and second time is humiliated see goes and buries the kumbh there all the anguish but look at the way of karma and the ways of the divine so that there is famine famine there because that kumbhak has gone all the anguish and finally he said only when the king does the tilling of the soil rains can come and during the tilling sita is discovered bhumija now what does she represent she represents earth nature which holds within itself the anguish of the ages what is at the root of the anguish the seeking for the divine soul the only way this material nature can seek fulfillment is when it discovers its own divine self in chinese tradition we have the serpent chasing its own tail you know the dragon which goes back so it's about its material nature is the last bedrock in in shiva puran you have the shivalinga material nature earth nature and we have the shiva the lord so there are many symbols like that in tantra is full of such symbols wrongly misunderstood as something to do with sexuality it has nothing to do with sexuality it's about the union of material nature with the divine self so sita comes the story of ramayana has this as a undercurrent these stories are at many levels and she has come 
Now, who stands in the way? The Asuric nature. So ultimately, Asura has to be destroyed. He, out of his own stupidity, he ends up carrying Sita all the way to Lanka. There is a whole Ramayana on this called Adhyatma Ramayana, which looks at Ramayana from this perspective of Sita. And it's a very interesting start when, you know, all the gods ask Sita, you are the divine mother. You could have destroyed Ravana just like that. He says, yes, I could have destroyed but why did you, I wanted to give him a chance of changing. See, he's giving the Asura a chance of transformation. Why? Because he loves her. There are many such touching stories in Ramayana which we don't know because, you know, we know the story as just the skeleton, sometimes, you know, with vested interest. You know, Ravana loved her. That is one part of it. So she gives him a fair chance. You change your ways. Love doesn't mean marriage and position and togetherness. You can love me. And I can be yours, but be a bhakta, not somebody who wants to forcibly take me. It's not possible. Shakti cannot be taken by force. So this is a very touching story when, you know, Rama is, um, this is an aside, but it's very close to my heart, so I'm sharing. So he's shooting arrows at Ravana and all the heads are getting cut one by one and coming back. So the monkeys, they ask, what are you doing? Why are you playing this game? You also know that heart is the seat where the soul resides and shoot here and at the end of the story. He says, I can't. Why? You know, he holds Janki in her heart. He loves her. And I love her. How can I shoot an arrow at a heart where the world mother resides out of any kind of bhakti? It's an ignorant bhakti. It's a very touching aside to Rama Sita's story. So finally, anyways, the Ravana is slain. The stamp of Asura nature still is there on earth nature. So there is the purification process. It's a whole yoga. All these stories contain an undercurrent of yoga. Like Shiv Puran. Entire story of Parvati from Shail Bala till this are the nine layers of consciousness through which she unites. So now earth nature which in origin wants the divine embodies the anguish of the ages has to be purified. This is a path of yoga. We cannot, you know... Uh, touch that uh, million volt current or infinite volt unless nature is purified to bear it it will shatter to pieces so she walks the way of fire and yes I can unite with the divine soul wonderful the two come together look at the irony of the story you know we should enjoy the story as it is without any lens Rama could slay Ravana how could he slay couldn't he slay a dhobi you know, it's a strange paradox. After all, he was a dhobi in his kingdom. He could have just said, get lost. <laughs> Who are you? Don't you know I have slain Ravana? Now comes another side of Rama. The highest conduct that a king has to give. Now see, both stories are running on parallel. Outwardly, the king has to set the highest and noblest standard. Such was the culture and he has to change that custom before he can do it on you. He can't suddenly abruptly say it was something which he had missed out. He should have, that was the law that time of the land. It was very unfortunate. And he should have changed the law. He didn't. Now suddenly if he says, okay, I changed the law because now my wife is in distress. Another undercurrent of the story is Satvik mind and its limitations because it's bound by its own idealisms. Rama is not like Krishna. He is bound by the three gunas, by the mental, illumined mentality which he represented among the animal kind, which is one step. And at the deeper undercurrent, as long as there is doubt, 
that earth nature can be purified and transformed and united with the divine never can the union take place and sita knows it so for a long time rama the divine soul and the kingdom sita the purified earth nature which mankind cannot accept is possible in life lives in the ashramas because that's where people believe yes yes in ashram you can be a very fine human being not realizing thankfully because of the age of truth all the ashramas are getting exposed because it has to be practiced here in life but the dhobi it's the doubt it's not about killing dhobi see it's so difficult to slay doubt <laughs> it is easy to slay the antagonism of ravana but doubt you can't slay it's such a terrible thing and therefore sita must return back to earth her nature her uh, mission not completely fulfilled half of it is done but half of it is not done that's why there is a sequel to the story and that's the krishna avatar and there again you see that the two come together but not yet together that connects me to the original thought where i was saying the pair the para the parakast of love another is radha and krishna all the temples have radha and krishna isn't it some temples will have rukmani some temples will have satyabhama most people don't even know beyond it who was the wife of krishna radha is known to everybody strangely radha was never married to krishna they never lived together radha was older to krishna and yet radha krishna what kind of love is this that is the ultimate of love where there is love freed from time and space it doesn't matter you are together or not together radha's love for krishna is unparalleled krishna bows at her feet that's how jaydev's famous uh, kriti is you know he bows at her feet and says please you don't be annoyed with me let the world be annoyed it's a very symbolic tantric scripture that lord bowing to nature which is purified and has such tremendous love for the lord so again they don't unite and just to extend the story a little further since we are at it i take it that in with shorbinda and the mother they came together and that's why when 1920 finally mother came back and 24th april which is uh, regarded in the ashram as one of the four darshan days you know what the mother uh, called this day significance she said it is the sign of the final victory over the adverse forces which want to keep away the divine and his shakti in our uh, level soul and nature they two cannot be together that's what we come back to the self fulfillment and divine self it's possible first we have to learn to think that it's possible that nature itself can become divine that's how the whole idea of life divine comes that in its origin life is divine not a chal not a titanic or uh, some maya has done this in its origin it is divine isha upanishad says so many of the there is a line of thought in indian thought and therefore it can be changed into something divine and that is the great attempt going on through the series of avatars that life is in its origin divine therefore it can be divinized but what is necessary bringing these two poles together the divine and his shakti shakti which has become nature here and the divine who has become soul here and if we uplift soul to its union with the divine self we have to uplift nature for its union with the divine shakti which is its origin it's it gone far and wide deep into this 
maybe because of the question. <laughs> but your question, you had a question. What Kunti's uh, amongst the five? Oh, again, all of them, if you see what was, if you look at Indian thought, <clears throat> it's amazing. What did they treasure most? If you look at Indian thought, extraordinary characters. None of the ancient Indian heroes, you know, uh, with whom uh, I have grown up and I think some of us may have grown up. Extraordinary characters. Look at this woman. The, the power of sacrifice. You know, essentially in yoga, one of the things which is so important is sacrifice. In fact, sacrifice is not about leaving your hairs in some place or leaving something outwardly but holding it inside. Sacrifice is a power. It's like a fire. That's why in Isha Upanishad there is a, again, half a sloka, tena tyaktena bunjita. By sacrifice, thou wouldst enjoy. Strange. How can sacrifice lead to delight? You sacrifice the lesser form for the greater. You sacrifice pleasure. After all, everybody who has achieved something has sacrificed pleasure at some point, isn't it? If a child said, no, no, I am going to all the time just play my games and somehow make it, he won't. He sacrifices pleasure for another kind of joy. You sacrifice that joy. Let's talk of relationship. You sacrifice those momentary immediate satisfactions. You must follow my will. I must follow your will. You sacrifice it. Then you build a long-term relationship which will endure all the rub and fall of time. Because you have learned the law of sacrifice, a great law which is there in the Gita. So you are seeking for, you know, often people ask about marriage. I'll come to that aspect about Kunti, but the take home point from there. You know, they ask about marriage, you know, so often people choose based on something external. Marriage is not meant when you are young. You are young, human mind will run here, there and all, all kinds of things. Marriage is for when you are really old and you can maybe without exchanging a word you still love each other that's marriage about and it's you have to go through that phase every marriage will go through those phases when you know there would be misunderstanding color clash endure it and go through it and you see a greater deeper energy of love will come of course not as a frustrated person not like that just hold this energy and keep transmuting it and eventually you will discover a deeper love which is not bound by time and space, not confined to those things. So Kunti has that power of doing that. Kunti comes back, how? She comes back with five children from the forest. Leave the one part of Kunti before that. Look, the Kunti, Kunti's character. Kunti comes back with five children from the forest, two of whom are her step... No whatever, wives, uh, uh, you know, uh, children. Husband has died. Everybody questions her. Who are these children? Prove your virginity. Prove your chastity. You are a loose woman. All these things she goes through. which It's all documented in the Mahabharata. I am not saying something of my own. She stands by the truth of her own purpose. She knows I have done nothing wrong. How does she grow up the children? Not with this idea that you must finish these guys who have told your mom all kinds of things. She makes them grow as hero warriors, but never with malice. 
she teaches them the noblest qualities you know they are your brothers treat them like brothers okay sometimes duryodhana gets little naughty and wicked but don't don't mistreat him that's it's i'm saying everything as it is there in the mahabharata not a word added all through she brings them up in such a way that idea of jealousy ambition which duryodhana though he is a prince he gets all these things because dhritarashtra's ambitions go into him never for a moment she teaches them whenever you know they lose like a game of dice or kandaprast indraprast she tells them don't worry god is with you he will take care of everything it doesn't tell them that take an army and march she doesn't do that now is your time take revenge instead what she does when the battle is going on where does she stay can you imagine where does kunti stay when the great battle is going on there are two camps astinapur not in the not as a camp but she says that's my seat i stay there and i pray for the victory of hastinapur for truth for the unity because for her hastinapur is not a set of kings and rulers can we imagine in like let's put today's scenario and then look at these women look at the conception of shiva i mean marvelous beggar clothes no frame of reference complete freedom he is a god look at krishna extremely mischievous playful and he is a god i mean all these characters are amazing so kunti is one such character there are many of course but she is one such character which throughout her life there is a prayer of kunti of course i don't much um, um, may not deeply connect with that prayer because there is a uh, another dimension to it but that prayer in its own way is has a beauty in it you know what was her prayer with krishna she went through all these pain and suffering if you look at her life poor lady suffered all through you know what was her favorite prayer of krishna it was not make my children win why did you do this make them kings you could easily do it she prayed give me all the sorrows of the world so that i may never forget you i think it needs kaleja no heart to pray like this try to do one day even while the prayer is coming to the lips nahi nahi maybe bhagwan ne grant kar diya to kya hoga what if he actually grants he is in one of those one of those moods where he says okay tathastu kunti ki prayer hai bahut achhi hai let me pray you will see that between the heart and the lip something will stop nahi nahi baba you never know this guy out there he may not give other things this one he may grant and she prayed for this all her life it's amazing draupadi how can you have five husbands and yet you be counted among the noble ones isn't it that surprising no ranchandi who destroyed the entire empire who took such a vow that i'll never look at the other extreme now this is one extreme look at draupadi she was kali incarnate a lot of stories in mahabharat that she was kali so what is the what is about draupadi she had come to destroy whatever is evil and she had a unique way of doing it so there is a dialogue when draupadi goes to the higher worlds and savitri also goes there so savitri asks i know you are a very good 
women but why you are getting such a high status i want to know the secret so what is the secret she says the same secret as yours what is it my secret is love she says same my secret is love love but you had five husbands she says but i loved one oh then you were partial you loved arjuna more than others it means that but if you are partial again you have erred from the balanced course of life so how can you say that you loved only one and at the same time you say that you are uh, you know good for this status because that means you loved one and there was an imbalance with other pandavas see but did i tell you whom did i love okay tell me the secret there was a sixth fellow in your life he says no there was no sixth fifth fourth third second there was only one fellow in my life whom i loved i loved only krishna look at that other ideal it's amazing there are such stories which i like inspiring i often feel uh, children miss out on these stories the state of consciousness is so important more important than the act heard about karma theory in this way your state in which you are doing something shri ramakrishna would tell this story and you know is many mystics have told it but this right from uh, another great master's mouth that there was a sadhu doing mala and opposite his place hut there was a lady who was sleeping with everybody changing partners every night because she has to sell her body to maintain her life and this fellow would do the mala see a man going and say yeah what kind of this lady horrible woman and then again he'll see another oh what a horrible woman she is papi kulta all those things it so happens there is a bomb blast now this is my own version <laughs> and both died together and you know they go there the pali gates and first this lady is turn so chitragupta on his computer and says you can go to heaven heaven chitragupta are you sure just check out again probably some virus is no my computer is virus free i record everything that's why he chitragupta the subconscious which records everything nothing can be hidden even your least desires are documented there i record everything that's why you know i have um, she has to go to heaven okay maybe they say lord is compassionate who knows then he comes all proud with his mala in his hand still <laughs> so he says um, i'm sorry you have to change your clothes and get on to hell what are you sure yeah she says tell me the secret this loose woman is going to heaven and me a devotee is going to hell she says you see this loose woman every night she was doing something which you don't know you saw a man going inside the heart yes so what was she doing every night before sleeping with the man she was praying to the lord it's so unfortunate that today i have to do this sell my body to earn my livelihood but my soul belongs to you i don't want to sell my soul oh lord whoever comes and sleeps with me may you embody that being this was her state you didn't see that because you saw only the outer act so what about me poor fellow all the time you were picturizing god as somebody who is condemning punishing judging 
So can't help it. You have to meet God the judge. So he has judged you because you judged him, her. So but what's wrong? Because you were so much full of her. You know, there is a nice line in Gurbani. Jo ninda kare hamari, so mitra hamara hoi. Aap jaye narak mein, paap hamare dhoi. Those who criticize me, uh, us are our friends. Why? They clean our sins and themselves go to hell. <laughs> so that's why the state of consciousness is so important. The crux of all these stories and we connect it with yoga. The state of consciousness in which we do works is far more important than the actual work. Isn't it the teaching of the Gita? The crux of it is what? That's what is Arjuna's dilemma. You are asking for ghoram karmam. It's a deadly work I am, you are wanting me to do. To kill people. Haven't you read the Jain philosophy? So Krishna said, I have read all philosophies. But listen to me. And what is the last word? Sarva dharman parityajya mamekam sharanam raja. Aham twa sarva papebhyo mokshi shami mashucha. Abandon all dharma. Dharmas here is standards of conduct. And take refuge in me. So his state of consciousness is refuge in the Lord. And in that state, he wants to fulfill the will of the Lord. Nothing else. So what is the will of the Lord there? Kalosmi bhava lok shekrat pravaddo. I want to destroy these people who have become an enemy to humanity itself. So... You be my instrument or somebody else. So I am just want to do the will of the Lord. Take refuge in me. Then I liberate you. Then comes the next one. I liberate you from all sense of sin and bondage and delusion. So the state of consciousness is much more important than the act itself. What appears as good to our eyes outwardly is not necessarily good. The good are bound by their goodness. What appears as bad to our eyes is not necessarily bad. The bad guy may be inwardly suffering because he feels the limitations, the pain, the sorrow and is wanting to get free. And suddenly you have the revelation of God coming to men like Jagai and Madhai, Anguli Mal, many others. Because deep inside there is a striving. Most important is the state of consciousness. Maybe if uh, we want we can stop here. And we can continue. Because I I don't mind if I can sit till 2 o'clock and enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't want you to suffer. (laughs) Uh, So, as you wish. Uh, Well, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Uh, If you enjoy it, it's good. I'm glad. Yes, that's true that Hari Katha is always a joy to hear. But, you know, I think... Yes, sure. Uh, how to stop uh, multiple uh, thoughts which are coming all the time? Like, yes. Um, when you go to bed, like, oh, this happened, that happened, this happened, that happened, and mm. you don't... You, mm. Next day, you start planning your day, like, I mm. need to do this, 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 this. Mm. But how to stop all those thoughts if we are saying, like, just believe in one thing and then just connect with consciousness. Mm. But that's the other thing which is like 
everyday things mm. which are which are important as well. So how to make that? there are many things which have come into it, but we'll start with the thoughts. Give it a something to hold on to. That's why the practice of concentrating or rather meditating, concentration is more specialized. Meditating on one idea. Sometimes in Buddhist meditation, it's taught even to just meditate upon the concentrate on the breath. Pick up an object and say that I am going to go to the end of it. Obviously, in the beginning, thought will by habit drive us. You bring it back. It will drive us, bring it back. Now what happens? After some time, there is a division inside us. One part of us is able to hold on, another part is being driven. So after some practice, there will be a division which will take place. A part which is able to see that I am being pulled, another part which is bringing it back. Next level will be, you are able to hold on to this thought, which you have chosen. Now what is important is hold on to this thought carefully, choose the thought carefully. Let me give an example. Uh, maybe you may have experienced or some others may have experienced. What happens when people in 15, 16 fall in love? They can't think about somebody else, isn't it? So much so they are obsessed with it. One of the signs that you are obsessively in love is when you almost starting the name of the person in front of someone else. Isn't it? You are, you are talking about that. <laughs> you can't help it because you are full of that thought. Why does it happen? The same human being. Simply because there is the energy of love which has held on to the one. The same process now we have to do it to the eternal. It's, it's of course needs practice and perseverance. Nothing comes in... Like there is no McDonald's spirituality. It, it comes with practice. But if we take it that we have to do it, it will come. It won't come in a day, two day. Somebody, it may come even in a day. It is said of Krishna that a word from Rishi Gora and he realized. Same with Raja Janak. He said, give me jnana in that much time as I ride on the saddle. I don't have time, I am busy king. So Ashtavakra said, I'll give you. And he simply gives him, you know, he's beautiful, beautifully there in Ashtavakri Gita. He tells him few things. And Janaka has a revelation because now that's a prepared being. Or Bulesha. You know, he goes to his master, teach me spirituality. So he, what is he doing? He's plucking the grains in the field. So he's after him, please teach me, teach me some method, concentration, what all. He says, oh, it's very simple. In Punjabi he says, atherak. Is that, uh, am I good, I may be bad in Punjabi, I should not. Pick up from here and keep there, that's all, because he was doing that. And so simple, pick up your threads of consciousness which are scattered there and put it there onto the one, as simple as the same thing. Now, of course, Bullish Shah and his master, they practiced it so it's easy for them. But everybody who has reached out there, who is busy drilling the last you know, breaking the last rock has gone through the same path. They have practiced, you know, it takes years. That's why sincerity is so important in spiritual life. It's not a, you know, one day effort or, but it's worth the effort. You can't find diamond if one is doesn't want to dig deep. There's a very nice, um, you know, we get pearls in the market. And 
I'm sure you would know, but many people don't know the difference between the <laughs> cultured pearl and the real pearl. And if you hear the price, it's like shocking. <laughs> what is the difference? To get the real pearl, you have to go deep inside, run risk of your life. But it's worth the trouble. There are divers who take it that this is my life. I want to find a pearl. Hid inside one of those shells, you know, many shells you have to break open and then you find one which is hiding. But cultured pearls, you can grow it in the lab. So true spirituality is not a technique which is taught in some place where few days you get some experience. It's a lifelong engagement, but at the end of it, it's the pearl of the great prize. When you get it, you never lose it. It's the one thing that you don't lose. It will continue from life to life and lives. That is why those who have gone this way have felt it's worth acquiring. That's the story of Nachiketa where Nachiketa is asked that I'll give you a lot of things, kings and queens and horses and riches. Nachiketa asked that, don't ask me the secret of immortality. So Nachiketa tells him, those things you are giving, O death, Will you one day take them away? He said, yeah, that. There is nothing like forever. I'll take them away. No, no, then give me that which you are hiding. I want only that. That choice has to be made in our life once and for all. Otherwise, if one doesn't want to do that, one wants a simple technique, then the technique is to witness. It's, you know, this problem many people have and one of the ways is witness the thoughts you will see that they will like change and after some time they will become weaker and weaker. Don't flow with them. Just witness as you watch a river with its up and down current. Don't judge them. Don't try to, you know, oh, this is a good thought. Oh, how can I have this thought? Don't judge. Just be a witness. This is the shorter way. But this doesn't lead, beyond, lead us beyond um, just an elementary state. Some people use this as a uh, first step towards the second one. Some are content with it, just being a witness. But a simpler way, better way is put the energy of thought on one. Call by whatever name, doesn't matter. And persist. Nothing happens in life. Even you see, look at uh, nature, how much we can learn. There is a season for everything. Wait for the season. You know, Observe the bamboo tree, you know how it grows? How many years it takes? For a long time you will feel nothing is happening. I think it takes six or seven years. I may be, uh, I am not Google so can't say for sure. But it takes long time and you will see nothing is growing. But those who are in the know of things know that it's round the corner, right? It will come, it will come. One day, suddenly in one year the bamboo will grow quite a lot. So for a long time, like the chick in the egg, you may feel that nothing is really happening. But if you really value that this is worth it, then sit, strive. One day, suddenly the door will open. Then all that I can say is you are overwhelmed. Let me not describe it. Okay, let's be overwhelmed. <laughs>